fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hi there, and welcome back to the show. Here's what's coming up for you this week. MSPs, for various reasons, often write some of the worst proposals, and then they complain that sales is hard and that the customer only compares people on price. We're also going to be talking this week about why you should be the most expensive MSP in your town. There's just too much competition in the middle of the market, and frankly, you don't want to be the cheapest in town at all. Later on, we'll discuss why you should be the most expensive and exactly how you can do it. Plus, we've got such a great giveaway this week. Producer James is going to be here later on telling you how you can win an in-person or a virtual VIP place at the huge DatoCon 21 event happening this year. Three days of sessions, networking and insights just for MSPs. You're going to love it. And we'll tell you how you could win a VIP place later on in the show. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I'm a little bit of a productivity geek. You put some technology in front of me that will help me save time or get more things done or just generally make life easier. And I'm up for that, seriously up for that. And a couple of weeks ago, I started using something called Text Expander. Now, there are dozens of services that do exactly the same thing. Some are free. Text Expander costs, I think it's about $4 a month, something like that. But the basic idea with Text Expander is wherever you are in your computer, whichever program you're using, you can just use a couple of basic keyboard shortcuts to copy and paste in some common text. So for example, I have a number of standard replies. When I'm setting up guest interviews for this podcast, because I actually do that myself, I handpick our guests and I email the guests. So if now I'm setting up a guest interview and they ask me what are fairly standard common questions about the format of the show and all of this kind of thing, whereas previously I'd have to kind of go and find that either in a notepad somewhere or find it on an email. Now I just type in ZI INT for int, as in interviews, ZINT. And in my email, I, I hear this little sound. In fact, I'll, I'll play you the sound. So that's the sound of text expander. And it means that it's just found uh, the, the thing that I've typed. So I typed ZINT and it's now pasted in that text. And what's really cool is you can use some scripts with it as well. So if I copy the person's name and then I fire ZINT, it will actually insert that person's name for me. Can you see how this is just saving me so much time? Anything that you type over and over again, you can create as a keyboard shortcut. I absolutely love it. Even down to now when I sign up an email. So I always type cheers Paul at the end of an email. I don't know why I do that. I've been doing that for about 15, 20 years. It's just something I do. And for years and years and years, by force of habit, I've just typed cheers Paul. Now I don't. I type Z full stop, Z period. And that instantly brings up cheers Paul and then adds another couple of return breaks as well. And I really need to set up the script where it will send the email because I'm only using that in an email. So I can set it up so that it will press the keyboard shortcuts of whatever it is on Gmail to actually send that email as well. Now, I know that's only saving me, let's say, three seconds every single time I send an email. But if that saves me a minute a day, that's five minutes a week. That adds up to a couple of hours a year. Over the lifetime of me running my business, that's going to save me hours and hours and hours, maybe a day. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but actually it's, it's the little thing, isn't it? It's the compound effect. If you're saving a little bit of time here and a little bit of time there, that's a very smart thing to do. So do have a look at Text Expander. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
notes that is pricing for teams so you can actually share it with your team which makes me think for a support team that would be a very sensible thing to do obviously you have to pay a little bit more than that but it's completely cloud-based and that's why you can share it out amongst your team or just use the personal one or get a free one there are all sorts of free ones out there there are plenty if you just type in text expander alternatives then you'll find them there on Google but do have a look at this if you ever find yourself typing the same thing over and over again here's this week's clever idea now this might sound crazy but I believe that you should be the most expensive MSP in your marketplace premium people are attracted to a service they believe to be independent bespoke and high quality and that's how you should be positioning your business because yes the best clients expect to pay more for quality products and great service by being more expensive you could actually win more business as people will want to be with you and they will want to stay with you the right kind of people not the penny pinchers but you don't want the penny pincher clients you really don't now thinking outside of our world um, some dentists are very good at this they seem to charge very very high prices and those that charge the highest prices often have a waiting list to join their dental practice and they have very loyal clients who don't leave because they know that there's a waiting list to get in and the dentists do this by offering the highest quality so they have longer appointments they have more equipment they have better products they have better offices and so because of all of this they get the very best clients in town who are willing to pay a little bit more for the best they don't get those low value hassle clients who query the bills who moan a lot and just aren't particularly compliant no one wants those clients in fact if you have some of those clients now then you absolutely must actively change your marketing your packaging to scare those low quality clients off and simply attract a better quality of client now one pleasant side effect of charging a little bit more for a premium service of being the most expensive in town it means that your gross profit margins are likely to be higher which is going to give you a much better chance of a better net profit because of course the net profit is what's left at the end isn't it it's your money to take out of the business once you've paid tax on it so there's no downside to being the most expensive the only thing that's going to stop you from doing it is fear but Paul what if we're too expensive what if we're too expensive and we put people off well the good news is you can just nudge your prices up to do this you don't have to instantly put your prices up and and be the most expensive just like that on day one what you can do is just nudge it up I'm talking here about being more expensive for new clients so take your prices right now whatever they are per, per user or per seat or per device however you do it just add a couple of quid a couple of dollars on and then when you win the next client add a few more quid on and the next client add a few more on the market will soon tell you when you've reached what is acceptable in your marketplace because depending where you are will depend what that is some areas you can get away with charging a lot more than you can in other areas the only way to find out is to be constantly nudging your prices up but never ever be scared to be the most expensive in your marketplace it is really the route to better clients who stay longer pay more and ultimately they make you more money Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast Hey this is producer James this is the fourth prize we've given away and live events are back 
This podcast has nearly reached its 100th episode and the prizes are getting bigger. Your MSP could be getting so much out of this month's prize. You will be inspired at DattoCon 21, a huge three-day event between October 11th and 13th. And wherever you are, you'll enjoy a valuable experience, be that in person in Seattle, or if you can't travel or you're in the UK, elsewhere in the EMEA region, Australia, or wherever you are in the world, the virtual aspect is going to be exceptional. There'll be loads of experts, fellow MSPs, local champions, new developments, insights, and chances to network. The first ever hybrid DattoCon is due to be the biggest and best yet, and of course you don't need to be a Datto customer to attend. As a thank you for listening, right now you can win either an in-person place at DattoCon, being held at the Washington State Convention Center in Seattle, or if you can't make it in person, two VIP virtual places. So this is what you need to do. Just go to this special page, paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash win, pop in your details and click enter. A winner will be drawn at random at some point after we close at midnight UK time this Sunday, September 5th. So good luck. Enter right now at paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash win. The big interview. Hi, folks. Ruben Swartz here, founder of Mimarin, the CEO for solo consultants who loves serving clients but hates selling, which I accidentally built because I thought for the longest time that the last thing the world needed was another CRM, but it turns out that we do. I'm also the host and chief nerd on the Sales for Nerds podcast, and I've done a lot of work with MSPs, and I guess I'm a technical person myself. I I think I kind of get that notion of some of us have a little bit more interest in technology than in the sales and marketing that we need to actually build a business around that technology. Technology. And Paul, I'm just really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And thank you for coming on. And you have a much, much better podcast name than I do. Sales for Nerds is just such a great podcast title. It really is. Oh, thanks. I'm going to steal that. I might make this MSP Marketing for Nerds. There we go. There we go. Sister podcasts. So there are literally 15 different things that I could talk to you about. And we're going to have to get you back on the show in 2022 to, to address another sales uh, issue for us, another sales area. What I want to talk about today, though, is proposals. Because I know this is one of your specialist areas and most MSPs or many MSPs really struggle to get across what they want to get across in their proposals. Do you find that? I have seen a lot of really bad proposals in my time and I've written some really bad proposals in my time, I have to admit. And I think MSPs for various reasons often write some of the worst proposals and then they complain that sales is hard and that the customer only compares people on price and gosh, this is just awful and I hate this and it doesn't have to be that way. And is it just MSPs that are terrible proposals or do you see this you know, widespread across a number of different sectors? It's pretty bad for most people. I think a lot of us learn the wrong lessons about what a proposal is. And I know I did when I started. And so one of my mantras now is a proposal is a story, not a brochure. A lot of us tend to write brochures that happen to have the customer's name and logo on the front and we call it a proposal. And then we wonder why they're not so eager to sign. We've got to create a story starring the customer. And I think for MSPs, a lot of times there's so much technical detail and jargon in there. And you might be very comfortable with that as an MSP, but the whole reason you're there is because the customer is not comfortable with it. So I've seen 10, 20 page proposals filled with tech specs and all kinds of nonsense. You can read through it. And even if you understand all the, the technology, it's still not clear how you're solving the prospect's problem. So if you're handing over that kind of brochure to somebody and you're wondering why they're not signing, make sure that you're starting from their perspective and telling their story. 
One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot, and certainly when we're looking at things like websites and other types of marketing, is how you've got to connect with people at an emotional level. Would mm -hmm. you argue that proposals are exactly the same? Absolutely. I think we like to think that we're rational creatures. And especially if you're kind of a techie based person, we like to think that we're rational. And it's not that we're irrational. It's just that we have to use emotion if we're going to change how we do things. We all have a million things on our to-do list. You know, I call it eating more broccoli. We all know we should eat more broccoli and, and less chocolate or whatever. But unless we go to the doctor and they tell us we're going to drop dead of a heart attack or something like that, unless we're worried about something emotionally, it's really hard to change because we have so much going on. And I think, especially if you're just showering people with tech specs and not connecting with their story, you're not going to get them to make a change. So when we tell the story in the proposal, we want to understand not just the technical pain and not just the business pain, but the real life pain behind that. And that's where the emotion lies, right? It might be that their their systems go down every once in a while and that costs them X thousands of dollars or euros or pounds or whatever it might be. But the real issue is they're there on Friday night instead of home with their family because they're they're trying to deal with the, the fallout from the technical problem. And if we can understand that, then we can say, I'm going to solve your problem. So you're going to be home with your family at the end of the week. Then they want to take action because that's their real problem. So it's easy enough to say this and it makes complete perfect sense hearing you say it. But how do you actually do that in what is essentially just a, a document, just something that's on a screen or something that you print off and that you give to them? How do you do it? The real work happens before the proposal, because while the proposal is a story, there shouldn't be some suspense of, oh, gosh, does our hero make it or not? Right. We know the hero is going to succeed with your help. That means we have to have the right conversations with people ahead of time to understand what's happening. If I went to a doctor and I said, doc, my knee's hurting. I think I need a knee replacement. And they said, OK, great. We'll operate right now. Just sign here. That would be very worrisome. Right. Be terrifying. Right. We want people to act that way because we've got this expensive thing to sell them. And instead, we have to ask all the questions like the doctor would, like, why are you doing this? What's going on? What's the impact of that? And I like to think of it because I'm a terrible salesperson and I hate selling. If I was talking to a friend about this problem, there was not going to be any money involved, but they're just like, hey, Ruben, I've got this thing that, that I know you know a little bit about. Can I ask you about proposals or whatever it might be? Right? We would talk and I would want to make sure that I really understood their problem so that I could really help them. And we want to treat our prospects and customers the same way, just like a friend, just like a doctor would a patient. I've got to ask a bunch of questions, something that may be useful for people. And maybe we can put a link in the show notes. I've got literally a fill in the blank proposal template that I use that a lot of my customers use. And the idea is that if you familiarize yourself with the blanks that you need to fill in, you know what questions you need to ask along the way. Yeah, absolutely. We'll stick that in the show notes. And as a quick aside, you're the first guest in, what are we, 90 odd episodes who's actually uh, asked to have a specific link to you know a, a downloadable resource on their website. So genuine round of applause, because that's excellent <laughs> marketing. That's just crazy good marketing, that is. And, and you know, for future guests, please do that, because it's what you get is you get the most interested people visiting your website to download the template and, and start this, this engagement process. And that's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? We're talking about the proposal being almost like the formalized version of the engagement that you've done with them during the selling meeting. Right. We don't want to go. I used to think that, okay, I've had my conversations with them. Now I'm going to go be really brilliant and wow them with my proposal. That creates a very stressful 
process for you because you've got to try to think of something brilliant and you don't know what you're doing. And I, I get reminded of this now because some of my customers will call me, hey, Ruben, I'm wondering, you know, should I be on-site or off-site? Should I do hourly or project-based billing? And I'm thinking, well, thank goodness you picked up the phone and called someone. You just called the wrong person because I can't answer that question. I don't know the answer. So we've got to do all that work ahead of time so that if you imagine you're you're in the, one of those meetings, they're describing their problem, you're listening, you're describing possible solutions, you're developing that solution collaboratively, everything seems good. And they say, can you send me a proposal? Basically, you're just going to summarize the conversation. They've already written it for you. You're more of an editor than the author of the proposal. Makes you wonder how we ever got into this world of having proposals, doesn't it? It's, you know, what, what was probably once just a, oh, could you just send me a letter just to, to summarise what we were talking about has, has turned into an, uh, an art form. And in fact, you know, the, you've got software out there that, that will, that will you know, create your proposals for you. It's, it's kind of crazy. Let's talk about pricing. So a lot of MSPs feel pricing pressure. I've mm -hmm. always been a big fan that you should be at the top of the market. You know, the worst place to be in any marketplace is in the middle with everyone else. So therefore, your options are either to be at the top in terms of price, as in the most expensive, or to be at the bottom. And you really don't want to be at the bottom because that's just a way of not making much money out of your business. And yet every MSP that I speak to about this has that, that nervousness of, oh, you know, we, we don't want to be too expensive because it will, it will make us uncompetitive. Pricing, I believe, is, is one of the factors that make people buy you, but not the only factor. What have you seen with the MSPs that you've worked with? Well, it's funny because that pricing pressure complaint is very, very common. And I think no one wants to spend money unnecessarily, so that's perfectly understandable. But what usually happens is the MSPs haven't differentiated themselves. And then they hand over a proposal and the prospect's sitting there reading three, four, five, however many different proposals they've got that are all a bunch of techno jargon that the prospect doesn't really understand. And so they're like, okay, I know I need to do something. I'm so mad at my existing MSP or I'm sick of having my brother-in-law fix the stuff for me. I'm going to hire someone. But the only thing I understand is the price. So obviously I'm going to pick the lowest one unless it makes me so uncomfortable. So I'll pick the second lowest one or something like that, right? We've created that situation. We don't go to the Mercedes dealer and say, but I can get the Kia down the street for a quarter of the price. Why can't you give me this for a quarter of the price? Now, not everyone wants the Mercedes. Some people want the Kia. That's all fine. But we have to understand what we're doing and we have to communicate that to the client. And that's where listening and developing that story together becomes so important. So what I like to help people do is really be able to tell that story from the perspective of the client. So they have, say they have three proposals that are full of garbage or not garbage, but a bunch of technical babble. that doesn't make it clear you even understand the problem, let alone how to solve it. And then you've got one proposal that says, hey, customer, I understand why you're here, what the implications are, why that's so bad, what you'd like to fix, what was wrong with your last MSP relationship, what you're trying to do from a business perspective and a life perspective, and here's how we're going to get there. And you can understand it. There's no techno jargon in here whatsoever. And it's a reasonable investment. It may be considerably more than some of those other proposals out there, but it's going to solve your problem. Guess what? That's what the business owner wants, right? They want to solve their problem. They are not just trying to find the cheapest MSP they can find. Now, there may be some people who, who will because they don't value anything and they just want the cheapest option. And to your point, those are probably not the customers that you want to be attracting anyway. It doesn't mean you have infinite headroom for pricing, but the first part is making sure that you understand their problem 
and that you're going to solve it. That's going to help you stand head and shoulders above most of the crowd. Now, the other thing you can do is you can offer more than one option in one proposal. So you don't just have to say, here's our platinum package or whatever. You might say, here's our platinum package. Here's our gold package. Here's some other things that we talked about that you can add on if you'd like, or that maybe we should do in a future phase because people are going to value different things in different ways. And and we know when we buy something that we're not familiar with, it can be hard to figure out exactly what we want to do. For I always use the case of, imagine we're hiring someone to do landscaping in our in our yard. We might have to go back and forth and understand kind of what we're going to get for how much money so we can find the right thing for us. Make it easy for your prospect to do that with you as well, instead of just giving them one number with one package. And then naturally, they're going to probably find things in there that they don't really need right now. And they're going to say it's too expensive. I, I completely agree. I absolutely love this, Ruben. Um, I'm going to just do some quick fire questions at you about proposals. Uh, so I'm looking for short answers on these. I'll try to be shorter. <laughs> if you can. And we are definitely getting you back on the show next year because I, I feel that you and I could, could talk for hours about this kind of stuff. So short fire, rapid fire questions. Uh, number one, um, should you, in a proposal, you, you talked about having different offerings. Um, what are your thoughts on good, better, best or having like a bronze, silver, gold package? I think it's great. I think you want to do that based on your conversations with the prospect. If you don't know exactly what they want, you give them the options that you've discussed. Yep. I agree with that as well. This is going to be one of those awful interviews where we just agree about everything. Um, next rapid fire question is, um, how much should you talk about your business in the proposal? Because although the, it's, a, it's their story, at some point, they're going to want to know a little bit about you as well. I think for a paragraph or two, and then I like to do the proposals online via my tool, of course. And so I'll have a 10 to 20 second video in there where I say, hey, Paul, so glad we got connected. Hope this addresses your uh, problems. Let me know if you have any questions and so on. And then if you'd like, include a customer quote in there. So instead of you talking about yourself, you've got one of their peers talking about how great you are. Yeah, a little bit of social proof, absolutely. And in fact, that that video, um, the the I always say to MSPs, whenever you send out a proposal, be it on email or printed or whatsoever, make sure you enclose a photo of yourself, a, a recent photo of yourself as part of that, because they don't remember the company name, they don't remember you know your brand and all of that kind of stuff. What they remember is how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. So if you've had a really good meeting with someone, they're associating that good feeling with your face. And if your face is missing from the proposal, obviously that's that's an issue uh, for them. And that brings me on to my, my final question then, and you may have answered it, but Printed proposal, email proposal, both. What's the most efficient way to get it into their hands and get them to read it? Well, if you're using a system like mine, you send them a link rather than an email. And then the nice thing is you get a notification whenever they're actually reading it. So you can call at the right time and you never have to leave one of those voicemails like, hey, just wondering if you had any questions on my proposal. And then you can also do nice things like embed video, let them select options dynamically and let them sign it online. So I would definitely advocate for that. I think the other thing is if you can present it either in person or present it uh, over the internet so that you're going through it together. And if there are questions or issues, you can resolve them right away. Yeah, that makes absolute perfect sense. So tell us about Mimarin. uh, What can it do and why is it perfect for MSPs? Well, the first thing is it started out just as a way to automate proposals because I got sick of leaving those freaking voicemails like, hey, just wondering if you had any questions on this proposal. And then people started using that and they wanted to do lead generation. And I realized that online lead generation for small consultancies was broken. And then people asked me for CRM because they said, oh, I love that I can get leads and, and close them, but I hate using Salesforce or my spreadsheet or whatever there is in the middle of that process. And I spent years saying, no, the world doesn't need another CRM. And I finally realized that it did. And so 
Mimarin's a, just a whole different take on CRM, starting with helping you with your positioning and helping you create social leaderboards with, with peers, doing lead gen, and of course, doing proposal automation all the way through to electronic signature. And what's your website address? It's Mimarin.com, M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, this is Jamie Warner, CEO of Envirosoft. Uh, we produce a customer experience platform for MSPs. And the book that I recommend is the best book in the world. It's called Monetizing Innovation. It's how smart companies design the product around the price. So if you've been thinking about how to package and price your MSP services, this is the book which will teach you all the secrets about the wonders of good, better, best. It's the best book to help you increase your conversion and grow your MSP. Coming up next week. We've got a special episode for you next week. The normal format is scrapped and we're going to do a deep dive into website traffic. Far too many MSPs have very lonely websites sitting there with no friends. No one ever visits them. So next week we'll talk about 10, 11 plus sources of traffic, ways that you can send more traffic to your website. It's going to be a great special one-off deep dive and I look forward to presenting it to you next week. See you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.